When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today, before we start this podcast on self-esteem and shame related to the Enneagram, I want to make sure for those of you who have never taken it that you understand how easy it is and free to take it. Uh, There are actually many places you can take this test online. Some are free, some aren't. One of the free locations is a website called Truity, T-R-U-I-T-Y. And the Enneagram is spelled E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. And it takes less than 15 minutes to actually do the test online. You can also do it through the Enneagram Institute's website. And it's cheap on there. And they give you a really long printout. I think it's around $20. Um, But there is so much information online about the Enneagram and it helps you really understand yourself and your relationships and the people in your life. So I would highly, highly recommend that you take it and maybe take a little break from listening to the podcast and take the test. So you might be more intrigued by the conversation and the discussion. If you know what your types are, your main types, um, And I guess that's it. I just wanted to let you know that before you get into the discussion. So thanks so much for being with us. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to be talking about how to improve your self-esteem and reduce your shame using the Enneagram. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why um, we can use the Enneagram for this purpose. And I'm going to introduce my special guests here after I do that. So as you may know from listening to other episodes, one of my big missions with my podcast is to not only talk about how we are never perfect, life is never perfect, relationships are never perfect, And we're not supposed to be great at everything. We cannot have it all. We can't be it all, but we all have value and we are all needed to do what we're created to do. We all have superpowers and a purpose and some of us just haven't realized this yet. So the uniqueness of who you are is a really important discovery. 
And I did have another podcast on this topic with the same two guests called Understanding Your Uniqueness Using the Enneagram. So I'd love it if you went back and heard that one again. Um, And, you know, another huge piece with self-esteem and shame is recognizing and accepting your limitations. We all have weaknesses. There's a flip side to many of our strengths that we may not like, but you just can't have it all. So um, just coming to peace of the package deal of what you have is really, really important and how you take that into the world matters a lot. So we do have to know ourselves and to go on a journey of self-discovery and figure out what that package deal is. And we need to accept and acknowledge those package deals because they help us gain peace and put ourselves forward in the world. So I often call this a user's guide, developing a user's guide to yourself and recognizing those packages of strengths and weaknesses. So the Enneagram has become one of my favorite tools that I use with clients and friends and family. I feel like I talk about the Enneagram at least five or 10 times a week. And um, I'm not an expert in it though. And so that's why I have two people who are experts. So, All right, so here we go. So my friends that are here, um, they have a podcast called Enneagram Plus Yoga. They are both yoga instructors and Christy Bonner is also a licensed marriage and family therapist. And Kat is not only a yoga instructor, but an Enneagram enthusiast. Christy is also a certified Enneagram coach. And their podcast, I think I already said, is called Enneagram Plus Sign Yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So welcome, Christy and Kat. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. I always love it. Um, we've been on each other's podcast once or twice. Mm-hmm. So this is like having coffee with friends, and I love it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we're truly having coffee. And um, and they appreciate that I have a Christmas mug here with water in it. So it's March and I've got Christmas stuff still out. So never perfect, <laughs> right? Um, so I had a client talking about your podcast this week, and it was on the topic of exploring unconscious childhood messages. And you had a guest named Kristen Moore on it. Mm-hmm. One of the quotes that you had on there, Christy, that related to today's topic is when we help people to love themselves, they are more able to love others. Mm. And when we help people trust themselves, they are more able to trust others and the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just love that because, you know, sometimes people can think of these journeys of self-discovery as being selfish, but really it's a journey of healing so that we can love others better, give more, put ourselves out there more. Um, and Kat, you were just quoting an amazing um, message from Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. So as I, maybe I was going to say, as y'all know, but maybe y'all don't know, Christy and I were big fans of Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. We're waiting for her to call on the daily, um, <laughs> you know, hoping super strong. But on a serious note, she is just, if you've never read any of her works or have never listened to her TED Talks, um, we would highly recommend you oh, get yeah. acquainted. She is truly a superstar, somebody who has 
uh, spend decades of her life studying scientifically shame and connections and love and um, self-acceptance, et cetera, et cetera. So her latest book is um, Atlas, Atlas of the Heart. Atlas of the Heart. Mm-hmm. Christy, as a matter of fact, let me borrow that book um, yesterday. And I was just thumbing through it this morning before I had to teach a yoga class. I had a little bit of time. And I came across this quote, y'all. So here's what Brene writes. Because we can feel belonging only if we have the courage to share our most authentic selves with people, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. And it's just such a deep truth that she put quite simply, you know, at the end of the day, you can't give what you don't have. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that goes for every attribute, love, respect, belonging, Mm -hmm. self-acceptance, trust, vulnerability, courage. I mean, we can go on and on and on, but if you're dipping from an empty space, Mm -hmm. there's not only do you lack, there's nothing for you to give outward. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it comes from the, but isn't it interesting how she connects self-acceptance to feeling of belonging, Mm -hmm. which you would think are completely opposite. Self-acceptance is internal word, work, belonging, you kind of feel like maybe outwardly felt, mm-hmm. but they are directly connected. Unless mm. you accept yourself, you would never feel like you belong. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes like you can start with loving others will help you to love yourself, but loving yourself will also help you to love others. And trusting the world will also mm-hmm. help you to trust yourself and others. Yes. Like they're all connected. Yes. So you practice one it informs, you know, other aspects of your life. So it's just Mm. really, really important to start somewhere. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I recently started a teen group for girls and we talk a lot about self-esteem in there. And I was telling them how we project, it's almost like our brains are a movie projector Mm -hmm. and life can be like a blank slate, even though it doesn't feel like a blank slate. But we project what we believe about ourselves or think about mm-hmm. ourselves onto other people. Mm-hmm. And if we assume we have nothing to value, uh, nothing valuable to offer the world, or if we don't like ourselves, we kind of assume people won't like us mm-hmm. or we don't mm-hmm. try to make a difference because mm-hmm. we don't see what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. So that like, you know, movie projector in your head, you're, you're putting it out there. And that's why changing that movie projector, because it's often not accurate. Yeah. You believe lies about yourself Mm -hmm. and then that affects everything you do and you don't love people as well or give as much. So it's really not selfish. It's actually a journey of self-discovery to figure out what are your superpowers and what were you created to do? What are your special gifts and um, purposes and priorities in life Mm -hmm. and what do you bring to the table and start bringing it yeah yeah and I would say that that is one powerful antidote to shame is finding new stories like first of all examining your stories Mm -hmm. and figuring out what your shame stories are like I know when I was a teen I adopted the story I'm not athletic Mm -hmm. because I tried out for the basketball team I played recreational basketball churches and I was really excited, really (laughs) hoping that I would make the high school basketball team. Uh And I didn't. And I was devastated. And at that point, I developed the story. I'm not athletic and my brothers are athletic. Mm -hmm. So I decided that they were the athletic ones and I wasn't. 
And that story was so damaging because yeah. it disconnected me from my body. So it also can lead to body shame, mm. you know? And so I had to, as an adult, find a new story that, mm. you know, I might not be the best athlete in the world. Like I can be honest about that, mm -hmm. but you know, I am going to connect to my body. So the new story would be, I love my body and I'm going to move in my body, mm -hmm. but finding new stories and letting go of those old ones that are negative. Wherever there's a negative story, there's probably shame, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, so that's really, really important work. That's to great. Find what they are. Yeah, develop a new narrative and don't just treat it like, oh, I had one negative experience or unsuccessful. That means case closed. Mm -hmm. I'm bad at this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of attribution theory, mm -hmm. where you you generalize a failure instead of going, well, I'm not that great at basketball, but I could be good at a lot of other sports. I haven't found yeah. which thing I am good at yet. Right, right. So not not closing those cases on yourself. Right. Or if you believe you're not attractive or not smart, like yeah. that's just, it's so wrong. You yeah. know, it's like you're attractive in a different way. You're smart in ways you probably don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this is so important. I think it's such a great work that you are um, doing what you're doing with teenage girls because mm. can you imagine if when we were teenagers, those negative stories were caught yes. and called yeah. that it's, you know, it's a lie and actually it's not it. And then how much less bumpy growing mm -hmm. up would have been, you know, mm -hmm. and, exactly. um, you know, to your point, I have a 15 year old and, you know, she is our liberal arts kid and math is just her Achilles heel. <laughs> and, you know, I started to kind of catch her saying, well, I'm just not smart. Mm -hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Math is not your strong mm -hmm. suit. That does not equate you're not smart. But how often, and even as adults, mm -hmm. we just automatically go, not that I'm not good at this, but I'm good at that. Yeah. We end with, I'm not good at this. Yeah. We overgeneralize. Mm -hmm. And that is that. Yeah. And that. Yeah. It's so mm -hmm. very damaging. So underestimating damaging. ourselves. Mm -hmm. So many kids and people in general just underestimate themselves. Yeah. I've worked with a lot of teenagers. Even this week, in the last week, I had a 70-year-old, beautiful, talented lady that has very low self-esteem. And I have teenagers and people of all ages. Um, so a couple of very quick definitions just to kind of get the juices sure. going. Mm -hmm. And also this uh, word picture or analogy I wanted to share before you all kind of launch into explaining, you know, that how the Enneagram can relate to self-esteem and reducing shame. So um, self-esteem was defined on just in Google as confidence in one's own worth or abilities mm -hmm. and self-respect. Mm -hmm. So that is great, I think, for what the Enneagram can show us. Mm -hmm. And then shame, I didn't necessarily feel this was quite as directly related to my thought on it, but it was defined as a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior or a loss of respect or esteem dishonor, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, a little bit the opposite of self-esteem, like feeling maybe worthless is a little bit I know yeah. shame can be defined broadly, but a sense of feeling not good enough is right. kind of mm -hmm. what I tend yeah. to think of. I know so. Brene Brown calls shame, I am bad. So mm. the idea of shame is, you know, I am a mistake. Mm. I'm bad. I'm flawed. I don't measure up. 
I'm not enough. Mm. Like those would be some thoughts about shame. And I, and I would say, you know, we just mentioned Brene Brown. Everything I say, I feel like about shame is informed by her. So I really do want to give her a lot of credit. Yes. Like she has just changed the narrative of this country of, mm. you know, now we can practice vulnerability. Now we can practice self-compassion mm-hmm. because she's been out there writing all these books. And, um, you know, one of the things she says is you're never thin enough, extraordinary mm-hmm. enough or good enough until mm. you decide that you are. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And and that takes some work mm. that doesn't happen overnight. And I would recommend that people do that with a therapist, with a coach, with a clergy person. Like you, mm-hmm. we can't do this alone either. Mm-hmm. This work of coming out of our shame. It takes community. It takes friends. It takes professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and we all have it, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're a sociopath. Maybe those are the people who may not have it because they just don't live in that world of feelings. Yeah. They're pretty disconnected from it. But um, all of us have it. I would say that often we think of shame as low self-esteem, but also narcissism. Pumping Mm. oneself up can be shame. Like, I'm going to be better than everybody else. And if you can't see me right now, I'm putting my chest out. And like, yeah, I've got something to prove. But underneath that often is a lot of insecurity. Yeah, that's true. So shame is, is pretty much universal. And when yeah. we and and it gets bigger when there's silence, when there's secrets, when there's judgment, and and when we can, you know, start to practice vulnerability in the opposite of the silence mm-hmm. and the secrets, man, that's when we find freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all those false messages we share or tell ourselves that create this fear of vulnerability mm-hmm. or I know people that obviously can't many people can't say they're sorry, many people can't say they don't know something. And I'm thinking why on earth would you be embarrassed to say you don't know something because most of us know less than 1% of 1% mm-hmm. of what we could know. Yeah. So but there's some message of fear and shame of you know, and I love that the two definitions that you mentioned with Brene Brown, the last two resonated more with the purposes in my mind of shame. Mm. It's not like I'm bad, but I'm not enough or, and also I do like the, I'm flawed because Mm. I, that's the paradigm of the Enneagram is so beautiful to me and saying every type has amazing abilities, special talents and superpowers, but they also have downsides Mm -hmm. and negatives. Mm -hmm. And it's just, that is what it is. That's life and see the good, accept the bad and get on with it. Like you're not supposed to be great at everything. You're going to have weaknesses. So, um, okay. So here's my little word picture. And then I want to launch in and hear what y'all think about each Enneagram type. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so this came to me a couple months ago, and I'm probably going to use it a lot because mm. I think, you know, I used to use a car analogy and I really could care less about cars. But, mm-hmm. you know, a pickup truck can't compare itself to a convertible and that can't it doesn't have the same package deal of a big suburban or, you know, we're not all created for the same purpose. So when you think about all the multiple varieties of flowers mm. And the beauty and the distinctiveness of each type, and I just mentioned five or ten, roses, daffodils, lilies, Gerber daisies, regular daisies, hydrangeas, sunflowers, irises, and even wildflowers. And, you know, some of those are annuals and some of those are perennials and they come Mm -hmm. back every year. 
uh, those have different values, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but if an iris walked around, not that they walk, if an iris spent its existence, think wishing it was a Gerber daisy and it was more cheerful and colorful, that would be a crime. Mm -hmm. Or if the Gerber daisy wished it was more elegant and refined, that would be a crime. They're not supposed to be the same. The, the variety is beautiful. Mm. And, and we also need different flowers for different climates. So I, I love that because I think we often devalue what we don't have. Mm-hmm. And we bemoan, oh, I wanted to be an introvert. I wanted to be an extrovert. I wish I was a type nine. Mm-hmm. I wish I was a type two, you know. Um, so maybe just before we launch into each type, I need mm-hmm. to remember some people don't even know what the Enneagram is. Mm-hmm. Could y'all give us a little two, three, five minute summary of kind of what the test is? And mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, it's a personality typing system. You know, a lot of people are familiar with the Myers-Briggs. If anything, the Enneagram, I think right now is just as popular, if not more popular yes, than the Myers-Briggs. Definitely. I mean, it's becoming really popular for people who are on dating websites to put, you know, I'm a three with a two wing. And mm-hmm. so there, there are nine different personalities on the Enneagram. And um, the beautiful thing about this personality system is it says that, you know, this is who you are. This is your personality type. If you end up being a type nine, this is who you are but you can grow and you can become more. And there is a test that you can take to determine your personality type. And we'll talk a little bit about each of the nine numbers today. Um, but, but you also can work with a coach because sometimes the test is right only 60 to 70% of the time. So, you know, that's the thing online. You can Google Enneagram coaching and find a coach to work with. And I definitely would recommend that mm-hmm. as well because it can help you to go a little bit deeper. We also have wings on the Enneagram. So you don't just live out of your number, you live out of wings. And then there's arrows of um, stress where you go to maybe being a little bit of your worst self and arrows of health. So it is a very complex mm-hmm. system, um, but you just kind of take it one step at a time. Like, what is my number? Most of the time when people figure out their number, sometimes it takes some time, they go, wow, mm-hmm. yes, this is me. And then once they start to dive into it, they start to think about, well, these are my strengths mm-hmm. and these are my limitations. And how can I, you know, own my strengths, mm-hmm. but also work on these growing edges mm-hmm. to become more. And um, for Kat and I, the Enneagram has been powerful. Like yeah. it's just one tool, like yoga is a tool of yeah. helping us to grow um, and change and open our hearts up. Um, but so is the Enneagram. Mm. And so I would just say that it's been a powerful tool in my life for understanding myself and others. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helps helps me with my marriage. It helps me with my friendships. It helps me to give a lot of grace to myself and to the people I love the most and to people that I don't love the most. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, so. Yeah. Well, I've been blown away as we've talked about on your podcast when mm-hmm. I've been a guest or listened to, to your other podcast episodes, but how often I'll say to a couple, you know, who is like a seven with a one or mm-hmm. a two with an eight mm-hmm. and where it says, here's some real compatibilities and areas of strength and with this couple and how they're complementary mm-hmm. with each other. Sure. But then here are some areas of conflict. And I have had couples sit there and just go, oh my goodness, like that nailed it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and it, it just really sets up, I feel like a, a less defensive 
posturing with the couples Mm -hmm. because it's just like, Hey, we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. What are they? Mm -hmm. It's just sort of a neutral. It's not like a condemning, attacking, critical way of viewing it, but just it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's also, I think it's helpful as a therapist because you can say this is what the Enneagram would say about mm-hmm. you versus this is what I'm saying about you as right. your therapist because right. people might feel more judged by us than they would if we say, well, this is what this personality system says. And so I, right. I find that helpful too. That is good. Instead of like, I think you're anal and you need to loosen up. <laughs> the Enneagram says you might be a little anal. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's important to remember that even though Enneagram believes that we are one number, we also are all the numbers, mm-hmm. every single person. Mm-hmm. So you could not just say, you are number type one, and and this is this is all you get. We do tend to be quite more multifaceted than that, mm-hmm. and 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 possess the qualities of every number. And then you can dig deeper into wings and um, your um, subtypes, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. but for today, we we will just address every number mm-hmm. as is, and mm-hmm. maybe talk a little bit about what that number. Um, you know, it's called maybe a few words to describe the number and then, you know, dive into shame. Why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that sounds amazing. And maybe later I could tell you all about the couple I saw this morning because yeah. I think, you know, those case examples can bring it to life. Mm-hmm. Um, they were kind of in a real low point in their marriage mm-hmm. and I they haven't taken the test, but I think she's a a one and a three, probably like an Mm -hmm. achiever and a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. he's probably a seven. Okay. And he, you know, she, the house isn't running the tight ship and it's Mm -hmm. not doing, 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 keeping everything organized and working all day long. Mm -hmm. He'd rather spend quality time with the family. Mm -hmm. And so she's very frustrated that he is, you know, doing so much with the kids quality time wise and not, keeping the chores list at the top of his radar. Mm -hmm. So there was a real disconnect and he could have shamed her. I did feel like she was a little bit looking down and critical of him, Mm -hmm. but he could have been like, why do you feel like you have to have everything perfect? Our kids Mm -hmm. are growing up. So Mm -hmm. he could have talked down to her as well, but I don't think that tone of talking down is Mm -hmm. the way we should ever do it. Mm -hmm. Well, I know y'all are professionals here, and just as a person who is married, what Enneagram would help tremendously them with is to inform the reason why they are Mm -hmm. what they are. Mm -hmm. And perhaps if you understand the reason, the need to change your spouse into your clone copy Mm -hmm. would go away because you would understand it's impossible. You are how you are. They are how they are. It still means that you can coexist and you can be in a loving relationship and find points of contact instead of points of friction. Mm -hmm. But you cannot do any of that until you understand that he will never be type three because he is a seven. Right. So he will never value what you value in the same way Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. He looks at the same Christmas cup very differently than you are looking at it Mm -hmm. because you're different types. And I think if you start there, then everything can kind of blossom. Yeah, that's great. And it's about, like you said earlier, you know, superpowers, like seeing your partner's superpower, like Mm -hmm. going, wow, they're really good at getting things done. They're really good 
good at the checklist and like I honor that in you and then in your partner who's great with the kids and is making sure he has that quality time with them and very playful I honor his playfulness and yet I'm also going to gently ask for what I need and knowing that when we start to shame our partner and criticize our partner they don't hear us they start Mm -hmm. to put up their shame shields Mm. which is something that I think both the Enneagram and Brene Brown talk about yeah. in really similar ways because she talks about the three shame shields and, and both of these go back to Karen Horney, like the Enneagram took mm. that from Karen Horney and so did you know Brene Brown. And so the shame shields are moving towards, moving against, and moving away. Mm. And so when we feel shame, we're going to take one of those three approaches and usually most of us do all three of those, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we have a go-to, right? We have a, when I feel shame Mm -hmm. as a two and know that people don't like me, I might try to move towards, let Mm -hmm. me buy you a gift. Let me try to make you like me. Butter you up a little. Yeah, because that's the last thing I want. I love relationships and twos are all about relationships. And so that's where the two can be a little bit manipulative, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but also use, um, that feeling of shame and not feeling enough to move towards versus like an eight or three or seven might become really competitive Mm. when they they're moving against Mm -hmm. like, you know, or they're shaming back. Right. And then a nine, a five or four who are in the moving away category, they might just start to like shut down. They might start to, Mm. um, you know, just pull away, mm-hmm. you know, but, but we use all three of these shame shields. Wow. I've never it's, heard, I've and, heard the phrases, but I yeah, never heard them called shame shields. But that's shields. in Brene Brown's work and that's in the Enneagram so that there's wow. these three separate parts of the Enneagram moving away, moving towards and moving against. To and protect yourself. To protect from yourself. shame. Yeah. And the Enneagram you know, would say that these are three orientations Hmm. and Brene Brown is the one who calls it the shame shelves to protect yourself from shame. But Mm -hmm. I would say that we could also think about the Enneagram that way. Mm -hmm. So it's important to kind of, if you are a person who feels a lot of shame, and again, all of us are, you know, which one is your go-to to to think about that and how Mm -hmm. can you fight against that? Um, you know, in the book, I don't remember which book it was, but Brene Brown talks about how she's a swimmer mm-hmm. and she started competing with another swimmer mm-hmm. and she messed up her rotator cuff, right? Mm. Because she was like being competitive. She was moving mm-hmm. against. Um, and when I'm in a yoga class, I'm the opposite. If I, I actually, even though moving towards is my go-to mm-hmm. in yoga, I'm going to shut down Mm -hmm. if I feel like everybody else in the yoga class is like a superstar. I'm just going to go to child's pose, (laughs) you know, because it's just like I can start to feel that shame. And it's good to notice that, like, if everybody's doing birds of paradise, I've never been able to master Uh that pose. Uh But sometimes I can feel shame, you know, like, why are you a yoga teacher? You can't do that pose. Mm -hmm. Like, you can hear that inner critic voice. Mm -hmm. Uh And it gets really negative. And so Mm -hmm. noticing that and talking back to it is really important Mm -hmm. to counteract shame. You know, start, you know, you don't have to do that pose to be a yoga teacher. Like, it's okay, like, to start being gentle with yourself because gentleness and empathy, Uh man, that's always going to take you away from shame. 
Yeah. And that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought about that with you both being yoga instructors. Right. I, that's one of my favorite things about the mentality of yoga mm-hmm. is do what you can do. Like if you need it to be easier, if you need it to be harder, you do what you're mm-hmm. good at and mm-hmm. don't, if your knees injured, you just do the best you can and don't mm-hmm. compete. This is you and your individual life doing what's best for you mm-hmm. and what you're good at, yeah. but you're not here to compare to the people next to you. Right. And it's good enough. Whatever you're doing is good enough. I yeah. think Kat, you talked yeah. about people that lay there the whole right. time. Exactly. And you know, there's no competitive edge in yoga mm. whatsoever. And that including um, not competing with yourself mm. because so often we're starting to beat ourselves up. Well, I should be able to do that. Yeah. Why am I? I used mm-hmm. to could do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And all of that narrative. And another beautiful piece about yoga is it sort of teaches you that your inner voice mm-hmm. is not you. It mm-hmm. is just the voice. It's the ego talking mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, flip you, flip you um, out of balance and, mm-hmm. and, and fool you into thinking, you know, a false narrative. But your thoughts are not you. Mm. Your thoughts are your thoughts, whether they're negative or not. So mm-hmm. making that connection, because how often, first of all, we have that voice running through our head 24 mm-hmm. seven, it's, mm-hmm. it's always going. Mm-hmm. And then you do stop and listen to not identify yourself with that voice. Your thoughts are just thoughts mm-hmm. and we should treat them as that. And I think it took me years to, to, to kind of start getting an understanding of that. And then, you know, yoga believes you are perfection as you are from the start period. You have mm. it all. You just have to tap in. Wow. Mm. So if, if you know, you were able to connect to that premise, I think also that can move you out of the shame. Ooh, mm-hmm. I love that. Out of the shame umbrella. That's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. So are you guys ready to start <laughs> yeah. going through the types? Yeah. Sure. And we should say that Christy and I are both twos, which is the helper giver. Mm-hmm. Kat mm-hmm. is a one, which is the perfectionist reformer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we go in numerical order, then we'll be talking about ourselves the first couple <laughs> times. Yeah. Um, we were thinking, though, that we might start with the head triad. Is that Ooh, okay? Yeah. yeah that start sounds with like the, the type eight. So the head triad, um, it's also called the gut triad or the anger triad. Ooh. I'm sorry. I meant... I meant the gut triad is where we're starting, okay. not the head triad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're starting in the gut triad, and um, we, we're starting with our eights. So eights feel shame because they think other people perceive them as being too intense or angry. Mm-hmm. Um, so when an eight walks into a room, like you can almost feel their energy. Like they they are, you know. A presence. A presence, yeah, yeah. And that's a little intimidating maybe. Sometimes maybe. if they're maybe in... Uh, average or unhealthy space that mm-hmm. might be intimidating but if they're in a healthy space it's just like they're just large and in charge that's sometimes mm-hmm. why they call them the boss and why many <laughs> of them end up being CEOs um, because they just have that energy about them they're they're born leaders is what so I would cool. say yeah um, they also feel shame uh, about not being able to be vulnerable and the reason that they're not able to be vulnerable is they want to be strong and powerful and protect others. And often there's a childhood story connected to that of feeling abandoned. And so they struggle with trusting others, but they also, um, you know, 
feel that that shame connected to being vulnerable. And so vulnerability is harder for them than any other number. And they feel shame um, if they are weak, like if they do come off as weak to Mm -hmm. others. So that makes, again, opening up in their heart space and sharing tough for them. And they feel shame that they haven't done enough to protect or change the world. Um, they, they are change makers, much like the one. There are different personalities that have things in common. Um, they also sometimes can feel a sense of being abandoned or rejected. Um, and that makes them feel shame as well that, mm. that, that people reject. And sometimes um, people respond to their intensity and kind of do put, you know, hold them up at arm's length because that intensity is a lot for other people. Well, well in turn, eights feel a lot of shame when others don't open up to them. So, mm. but they're known as the challenger, the boss, their leaders. Um, and, and again, they're, they're often really powerful people, um, but they, they have sometimes a lust for power and control. And that can also be their Achilles heel. It can be their strength that they, mm-hmm. you know, are, are born leaders. But whatever your strength is on the Enneagram is sometimes often your weakness. So mm-hmm. when sort of an antidote for them that can move them towards a healthier place, um, towards a place of self, self-love would be um, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I mean, they need to practice vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And when they practice that, they start to learn to trust other people mm-hmm. um, because it's almost like vulnerability leads to vulnerability and um, they become more comfortable with their weakness and that leads them just to a healthier place. So they need to be a little bit more like the two on the Enneagram and also practice empathy. So that would be another thing that would take them away from shame because sh- empathy and vulnerability are two major antidotes to shame Hmm. and eights need those Mm -hmm. desperately. They need to be empathetic to others, but also to themselves and open up in their heart space and practice vulnerability. And when they do that, they just become, they start to flower. Like Mm -hmm. you were talking about flowers and they start to bloom Mm. when they go into those spaces. So I like that. Yeah. See, just drawing on these, as you share, it's sort of like self-esteem, like, what are my superpowers and what are my purposes in life and what was I meant to do here? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and maybe the second question is what am I meant to learn? Yeah. You know, yeah. how do I need to grow? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just kind of, again, seeing yourself as this is what I have to offer the world. Like I am a leader, I'm assertive, I'm independent. I can, I love to protect people. I'm yeah. strong and capable. Mm-hmm. I don't like to be vulnerable. I don't like to ask for help. I don't mm-hmm. like to tell people how I'm project feeling weakness, or yeah. yeah, project weakness. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Project neediness. And you know, the thing about the AIDS, I think that they come off like such strong individuals that mm-hmm. perhaps their surrounding, um, you know, circle almost puts them in a category. Well, they don't need any help. They don't mm-hmm. need anything. Mm-hmm. And they're desperately need sometimes to be taken care of, mm-hmm. to be, um, you know, protected, mm-hmm. you know, what they mm-hmm. give out, they desperately need, but that 
facade would never ever you know project that 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 need so mm-hmm. for the eight it's so important to sort of let go of the strong persona mm. and receive mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you well know said. don't you think mm-hmm. to let yeah. somebody take care of them yeah let them be to strong let somebody protect to let somebody lead so they can sit back and maybe even follow and it's really hard because mm-hmm. that would go against the grain Mm-hmm. But the need is there, you know, like there's things, some things that we want and sometimes we need and mm-hmm. sometimes things we need is not exactly that we want yeah. them, but we still need them. That's, I think, is kind of the same thing. Yeah. Here. And they're in the autonomy. We also call it the autonomy triad. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're very strong. I've got this like they're mm-hmm. individualist in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so what they need is to say, you know, there can be a we. They need mm-hmm. to learn from the six on the Enneagram that's really good at connecting to others mm-hmm. and creating that sense of belonging. You know, the John Dunn quote, no man is an island. Mm-hmm. Like, that I'm not an island. Yeah. I need, like Kat said, to receive from others. Yeah, yeah I think that's spot on. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another interesting maybe paradox about the self-esteem piece of the Enneagram is going, okay, these are my superpowers and this is sort of what I'm meant to do in a lot of ways, yeah. but not mm-hmm. to base your worth and your total value on Just I have that. no value when I don't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm not large and in charge, right. then who I am I? Right. I have nothing else to bring to the table. That's not true either. Sure. Right. Sure, you're right. You're right. Well, let's move to a nine. Yeah. So our nine is our peacemakers and our mediators. So Mm -hmm. that would be an individual who at their core would want to put everybody else before themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they would struggle with asserting their voice, their presence, their need, their desire, their want, and oftentimes would feel shame if they are asserting those needs. Mm -hmm. You know, because the go-to for nine is my presence is not enough. I'm not enough to be seen by the world. I don't allow myself to engage or show up in the world in a big way because I may not be enough. Wow. So the shame for a nine would come with just making themselves smaller. Mm -hmm. Fading into the background is what I was just writing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So how you would, you know, move away from that is asserting your voice, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and making yourself a priority, making your desire a priority, making your goals and your need a priority. And, um, you know, I feel like we sometimes live in a culture where, you know, well, if I'm talking well about myself, well, conceited, stuck yeah. up, boasting, nines need all of that. They need to boast about themselves. They need mm. to be louder. They need to kind of, you know, let the world see them and hear them and know that they're valid. That's in, so funny. In, in, in being seen. I had to give a teenager a pep talk about that. She's probably a nine. Mm-hmm. She was interviewing for a leadership type of position mm-hmm. at her school, sort of, actually a service type position. Yeah. 
And I was saying before your interview, I said, I think you're probably someone that doesn't like to toot your own horn. Right. But nice. I said, need to toot it. Yeah. I said, it's a yeah. fact. Mm-hmm. I, and yeah. I, I'll, I'll get their like self, their justice going and go, what about the, the people that really don't care about the position that are great at selling mm-hmm. themselves or sucking yeah. up that sound better than you because yeah. they can really say great yeah. things about themselves, you're actually sort of lying or deceiving them by yeah. not sharing what you're good at. Yes. Yeah. So this is factual. Like, yes. just be honest and tell them, here's my strengths and yes. here's my weaknesses. Yes. And so she got the position. Oh, yay. She came in yesterday. Oh, oh, that's fantastic. And I said, how did you do? And she said, I was able to tell them sort of to sell myself and really be honest about why I want this position yes. and why I think I'd be good at it. And I was yes. like, yay. That's fantastic. I I said something on one of the podcasts about how if a nine, uh, a yoga teacher is a nine, they might be um, apt to not end up being a yoga teacher. They might go through the yoga teacher training, (laughs) but then go, oh, no. Underestimate themselves. Yeah, they underestimate themselves. So I said that. And then a friend who listens to our podcast, who is a nine and is a yoga teacher, she's like, that was spot on. That was exactly me. I almost didn't go for it. And she's an amazing yoga teacher in the community. I won't say her name because I don't know (laughs) whether she wants me to share the story, but that happened. And She's just a great yoga teacher. And what um, we would have missed by not having her as Ugh. a teacher if she in her nineness had just said, oh, somebody else can do it. No, you can do it. Yes. And like, that's what Kat's saying yeah. about like, speak your voice, yeah. know your value, like exactly. pursue your vocational yeah. dreams. Yeah. Like that's, that's when the nine yeah. moves out of shame. Yeah. Yes. And another thing before we move off the nine, um, what I think the nine feel a lot of shame about is uh, feeling anger. Mm. So um, anger is their go-to sort of uh, emotional, you can say negative response. I think anger is very positive and healthy. Mm-hmm. But for nine, they feel very shamed to feel it, much mm-hmm. less to let it out. Mm-hmm. So to move out of that is sometimes you have to do the thing that you're scared the most and mm-hmm. you have to just be angry and let it be loud and vocal and therapeutic and cathartic and not feel shameful about it. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. And that makes a lot Mm -hmm. of sense because if they don't value their needs Mm -hmm. and they don't value their opinions and their Mm -hmm. rights, Mm -hmm. then it's hard to be assertive or to think you ever have a right to be angry. Right. If Mm -hmm. you don't think your needs matter. Of course. Or your voice or your presence, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Anger is very prevalent for, for nines and ones. In mm-hmm. nines, it's inwardly focused. In ones, it's outwardly focused. Ah. Um, I feel like both numbers feel shame about anger. Whether yeah. you scream it out or yeah. whether you keep stuffing it mm-hmm. in, um, it needs to be released in peaceful and, you know, um, constructive functional, ways. Yeah. A functional way. But anger is fine. Yeah. yeah. That's Don't be information. Ashamed of Don't be ashamed of anger. There's... Um, I have a quote and I'll have to find it that there's actually positive gifts for every single emotion. And mm-hmm. that includes love and anger and shame and fear, et cetera, et cetera. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we look at the negative emotions, we're thinking there's no value in them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. There's a ton of them. Wouldn't y'all think? Bear oh, protects yeah. us when there's a bear out in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a positive side mm-hmm. to all emotions. I definitely yeah, right. buy into that. It helps us know ourselves and it helps our partners know yeah. us. Like that made me angry. What information does that give me, you sure. know, or give you? Yeah. 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 
All right, guys, this is Beth, and we are going to take a little intermission so that these episodes don't get too long. We're keeping them to right around 45 minutes. So in a couple of days, we are going to post the second half of this discussion with Kat and Christy about self-esteem and shame and the Enneagram. And we will talk about the remaining seven types. And I will share a poem that I love that relates to this topic. Thanks so much for being here and we will resume in a couple of days. 